Due to the graphic nature of this program, discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Francis Faceboy Hall. I am Lucas Tiamore. And it's Rachel. And uh, we have a very special guest this evening uh, who's going to call in in a little bit. It is Anne H. Pollock. Founder and executive director of Crossing Point Arts, and she's going to tell us what that's all about. But first, I've been on this all day. I just got to get this out of my system. Puff the Magic Dragon. Oh my God! You keep saying, you keep talking know, about this. I know, I know. <laughs> you, you know the song, Rachel? Of course. So there's this line: Little Jackie Paper loved that rascal Puff, and brought him strings and sealing wax and other fancy stuff. Now. I asked my mom, who lived through the Depression, I said, at any point, were strings and wax considered fancy stuff? Did your dad ever come home and say, hey, kids, I got some fancy stuff for you. It's string and wax. I just figured it was a a different time period when those things were a lot more precious. I asked mom, lived through the Depression. She's like, nope, string and wax was never fancy stuff. I don't know, maybe only in only in Puff's world. Maybe in Puff's world. Here, Puff, have a rock. I mean, he's a dragon. <laughs> okay, I had to get the, because we're getting into a serious interview in a minute, so I, I had to get the funny off my chest. No, you, you need a mix. It can't, it can't be heavy, all heavy. <laughs> also, I don't expect this interview to be so heavy. Okay, we gotta get this working. <laughs> Live radio, folks. <laughs> and for reference, since you can't see, Francis is holding an actual phone with, a, with an actual cord, which some of you may remember. It's, it's the twirly cord you used to wrap around your yourself Fingers. while you were on the phone. Oh, yeah, I used to have, like, around my whole body. Yeah. That's just for reference. And it's making an actual dial tone, which you might remember. (laughs) (laughs) Plan B is we're going to hold up a phone to a, to a, on speaker to a microphone. We can use mic three over there, but. Okay. I heard it ring before, though. I'm not sure. I think it works. Do you want her to try calling? Try calling in, and we'll see what happens. And if you could try to call in now, we'll see if it'll like do a call waiting. Adult. We'll see what it does. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Okay, now now it should work. Hello? Hello, this is Ann Pollock. All right. Yay, hi, hi Ann. Hi, Ann, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really happy to have you. I am very grateful to be here, and thank you. Are we live? We are live. This is a live show. All right, well, you might hear some birds in the background. I'm sitting near some woods. So I do, and I it's lovely, actually. <laughs> Okay, good. I'll give everyone a little serenity while they're listening in. Yeah. I have so many of my favorite people in one room right now. It's amazing. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> so sweet. 
So um, what is the mission of Crossing Points Arts, and what inspired you to be its founder? Well, I'm going to not read the mission, and because, God forbid, I don't even have it memorized, but (laughs) (laughs) I will give you the basics, and we'll take it from there. I um, looked around and recognized a couple things um, in 2012, it's exactly 10 years ago, that there were no um, artists working directly with survivors of human trafficking in our area. And I found that unacceptable. So the mission of Crossing Point Arts is to bring the arts to survivors of human trafficking so that they can um, learn to use their creativity to manage post-traumatic stress and complex PTSD, which is really common with survivors and also to learn long-term coping strategies, but most importantly, to reclaim their voices. Because um, if trafficking does one thing to all the people who are trafficked in all the different ways, it silences the people who are victimized by traffickers. And there's no better way to reclaim one's voice other than through creativity. And that's, um, I sort of combined the answers to both of your questions. I am a lifelong artist. I come from a family of artists and writers and musicians and dancers. And um, I'm also someone who was um, dating myself, but I was born during the, towards the end of the civil rights era. And liberation and the questions of liberation were all around me as I grew and became a conscious human And um, I understood the two Americas, and I understood why. And the more I researched and the more I traveled, I understood that the ravages of our collective history in this country needed to be addressed. And then I was horrified to learn about what is also known as modern-day slavery. And I found a way to stand up and Modern-day slavery... would that also would encompass the prison system? Um, I would say so, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that would be, for some people, a, a bridge too far to call it that, but, you know, the 13th Amendment allowed for that. And if you want me to clarify any of my comments, I will be glad to unpack them. But No, we're, we're yeah. absolutely on, on the same page with that. It's, it's, yeah. There's little question in my mind that the prison system is an extension of slavery. That it is it, that it, that the that when you look at just the racial breakdown of people in prisons, the fact that they're put to work for pennies is it's just glaring. And and how and when it grew into existence in comparison to when the so-called abolition of slavery occurred. Right, and you know it is a it is. As you say, a so a so called accomplishment because it never really happened. And I've always said that there's been a through line, and that enslaving people has been just something that's changed shaped am- amoebically from time to time. Looks this way at one point, looks that way at another point, um, and you know the prison system is is what we 
no, but and then human trafficking, they consider it to be an underground world, and yet there's apparently real complicity right out in the open with people like Matt Gates and the likes who are not getting thrown in jail. Yeah, so, there's sorry, there's also a big overlap too of um, women who are being trafficked and. Um, black and brown women who are being trafficked and then being imprisoned. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <clears throat> and the, the safe harbor laws that were brought into uh, on, onto the books in New York State started to protect people who were younger and being trafficked. And to clarify that quickly, um, there, there became a category of um, people who were... Co- who had been previously considered criminals who were then finally considered victims of traffickers and it's commercial sexual exploitation of children. So someone previously could have been arrested for prostitution at age 16, and yet a 16-year-old can't even um, legally have sex. It would be considered statutory rape, right? Yeah. So, So now at least there are a few laws on the books offering protections, but there are so many inequities and so many gaps. Yeah, and that is, that is how I found you, Anne. Um, for anyone listening, Anne is my very, very dear friend and mentor. Um, but how I found you is that I had a friend who was doing work um, at Rikers. Um, she was doing Uh, an organization called Liberation Prison Yoga, and she was meeting all these um, women, young women, girls, really, who had been trafficked, who were at Rikers. And I, my response was, well, what about, what about art? There must be, I'm not, anyone who knows me knows I'm not so into yoga. Um, It's not my thing. But I was like, what about art? (laughs) And I Googled, I was like, (laughs) art and human trafficking, who's doing it? And that's how I found you. And it was amazing because right out of the blue, there was your email. And I, and we met three years ago, like this month, actually. Oh, yeah? It was it was in May, yeah. And uh, that was the first time we met in person. And, um, you know, it was just one of those meant-to-be kind of connections. <laughs> it's been nothing but an extraordinary pleasure to... to Work, watch you grow and to grow with you and to explore all the creative way avenues that you travel. I'm forever inspired by you, Rachel. Oh, same for me, Anne. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. <clears throat> so, yeah, on the joyous side of this whole topic, and that is the, the work that I've chosen, is that art brings out pe- people's sense of freedom and and it builds a place of inner liberation and that's really what crossing point arts is truly all about is some all the therapy as my mentor said to me all the talk therapy in the world in all the therapist's office in all the world art will actually do more and she's a psychoanalyst who told me that <laughs> so that was a big big statement on her part and I was I've stuck by it. Why specifically? And uh, this this is something that uh, was a, a, 
prescribed for me for depression was uh, I didn't want to take antidepressants. I didn't want to take the pills. And I wasn't at a point where I absolutely had to. I'm not against antidepressants by any means. But uh, I wanted to see if I could do it in a different way. And they said, well, you have to do a lot of exercise. You have to, uh, you have to get on a good sleep cycle. You have to listen to music. You have to have exposure to sun- sunlight. Why is playing playing or just listening to music such an important part of the healing process? That is such a great question. I am not a neuroscientist, but neuroscientists (laughs) claim (laughs) that music actually reaches every part of the brain, and it's the only thing that does that. So it activates literally every aspect of your whole sense of being while you're listening to music. And... um, Of course, there's the vibrational aspect. If you're in a space or even with earplugs, you can, you know, sense the vibrations in your own brain. Or if you're holding an instrument and playing it, you can feel feel the vibrations going through your body. And my sense is that it's it's actually like a a guide for your for your emotions. It instead of them running wild which many of us experience. And also when you're recovering from severe depression, um, music actually organizes something and it takes you there beautifully. And it gives you, if you're listening even to a very sad song and you're feeling sad and, and it makes you cry, you're releasing something. And so, in you know, thank goodness humans have found music that sort of expresses every possible human emotion. And we, we're given a reflection of ourselves that's, that's so extraordinary. And, you know, in my personal belief, it comes from a very, very high place. That, that it, something that could touch us that deeply and so fully brings us into a sort of another level of being for the time that we're listening I'm not a particularly... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm with you. When I'm having a difficult time or my spirits are not good, I just have to kind of remind myself, turn on music. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's the medicine. (laughs) It's the medicine. (laughs) You were going to say you're not particularly what? I'll get back to that in a second, but I will say that uh, following this program, I have gone from severely depressed to, I tested recently, to mildly depressed. And that's that's with out the with with this with exercise, sleep, exposure to sunlight, and listening to music, uh, and to follow up music. I'm not a particularly religious person, but I find that religious music is deeply moving to me. There is something about when people believe they are creating music to to celebrate God, to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate. Uh, to celebrate Buddha, to celebrate um, Krishna, uh, something comes out that is deeply moving to me. Do you feel that there's a, that's something that you have a connection to? Absolutely, absolutely. And some of the some music, I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, there's a there's an instrument called the duduk, and a, a musician whose last name is Gasparian plays this. It's a, kind of a reed instrument, and he it's very very deeply spiritual music. And every time I 
hear it and hear him, even on recordings, it sounds like he's communicating with the, with create with the creator with creation. It's like he's in a direct dialogue. And so, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, back to neuroscience, there is a part of our brain that that understands the creation. And I'm going to make this, you know, non-sectarian, non-religious, but. Apparently, when they touch that part of the brain, if somebody's having brain surgery, they they experience God. Hmm. So, <laughs> so music is doing that. It's also touching that part of us. Now, not all music, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the, the really good ones. Yeah, uh, I, I love I love gospel music. Oh, I, I love, I gospel, love gospel music. music. <laughs> I, I love uh, I love. Um, I don't know what the music of the Krishnas, what it's what it if it, what, it, what its name is, but I very much mm-hmm. enjoy that music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very moving to me. Yeah, I very much yeah. relate to that. You have said there is a powerful moment we witness in every workshop where the participant crosses over from the place of deep hurt into the realm of aliveness. Can you describe that moment or give examples of those who've experienced it? Oh, with pleasure. And actually, I'm going to start by saying that's why I named the organization Crossing Point Arts, because I've seen that. How interesting, then, that I would choose that (laughs) quote. (laughs) Very good. Um, I've seen people traverse that literally thousands of times. So there's a thing about complex PTSD. Um, there's a thing about people who are feeling triggered or just trying to get through the day and, and maybe not in a triggered state, but just living with their nervous system in a very heightened state of you know, survival, survival needs. And when before COVID, when we were doing all our workshops in person and, you know, there were probably a thousand of them in person before COVID. Um, you walk into the room and, and a bunch of people assemble. Who they, they're, they're there by choice, and, they, and we're connecting with them through anti-trafficking agencies all over the city. And very, very consistently, I would see that a glassy-eyed look, um, a, what do they call it, the thousand-yard stare or something? There's a term... <clears throat> and it's it's a particular look in people's eyes. We're all nodding our heads in agreement. Yeah, that 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 very particular thing that's related to trauma. And so we we set the stage for people to feel recognized and seen and understood. And you know, how's their day going, or how are they feeling in that particular moment? And then whatever the creative uh, medium is unfolds. If it's dance, if it's music, art poetry it doesn't matter actually which one and then there's there's this like 10 or 15 minutes where there's like sort of a faltering like maybe i'm gonna do this maybe not maybe and then boom you see people like they come and be present and you see it because their eyes start to shine and i i i finally did sit down with a friend of mine who's a neuroscientist and i said could you please explain what goes on in those moments and why is it, why does this work? And his comment was that you know you can actually activate serotonin and all the other other good brain chemistries in those 
in the process and it's the it's also the sequence of events and all the participants feeling really supported in the process that makes this possible we're sort of creating the the right environment for expression to happen and expression activates so many parts of our being and for that time they are the, whoever's participating is no longer caught in the stranglehold of, of the like the like circular circular you know torturous brain patterns or thought patterns of, of, of trauma or of being triggered does that make sense yeah, I think one thing from my own experience that PTSD mm-hmm. does to you is takes away your ability to play. Um, the mind mm-hmm. focuses in on just survival, like this is what I have to do, these are the rules I have to follow in order to survive, mm-hmm. and the capacity for play and for imagination, um, that is becomes not as essential, but it is as essential. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. art, is, art is the thing that for me has brought it back. It really is just as essential. Yes, it is just as essential because we're not really full, fully alive without that aspect of ourselves, right? Yeah, if you can't imagine anything else, anything further, anything better, then there's not, in my experience is there's not much to hope for. The capacity to imagine, that's essential. Mm-hmm. That's really well said. Oh, <laughs> every time I talk with Rachel, I say, that's really well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Lucas, I don't want to feel like we're ignoring you here. No, no, I'm just listening. Um, no, Lucas is someone who knows so much about the power of art as being essential to staying alive. Yeah, I um, have certainly used it um, to, to get over trauma. Um, not to get over trauma, I wouldn't say I'm over trauma. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever uh, over trauma. You're, you're never over trauma, but to um, to to come to a healthier place. Um, and yeah, I would I agree with you that at one point I lost the will to play, um, which can be very difficult. Um, and then for me, I think I started to get that back with theater. Um, in college, I majored in educational theater, and I started to get that back to it there. But then. Visual art has helped me a lot, too. Yeah, I watch every day Lucas learn how to play. It's amazing. It's like an <laughs> absolute freaking miracle. It's so beautiful to witness. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, when you were answering <laughs> my, my first question about uh, um, the mission and what inspired you to find it, you started out by saying, I was looking. Where were you looking? Well, I I did a number of things <laughs> in in my typical fashion. I well, I I did a search online just like Rachel did, and I found nothing. I found one volunteer organization in Seattle, I think, where artists could come through and spend an hour or two, and then they were on their way. <clears throat> but there were there was nothing. There was definitely nothing in the whole East, and I didn't find anything after literally 50 hours of searching online. I found nothing. So that con- I was convinced <laughs> that I was going to have to do it myself and that there was no way to copy somebody's you know, model, which I was not beyond doing. I just felt it was such an important 
element that needed to be here, given how many artists are all kicking around in New York of every stripe. And um, but I, I had done I had been looking in other ways for for decades, and <clears throat> maybe I could say I didn't even know I was looking, but I had spent a, a great deal of time in the in the um, in the Caribbean in the, on an island called Guadalupe, where I was there frequently for a music project that was ongoing, and I spent time in Bahia, Brazil, um, which is the northeast, the very the very very African Nigerian Yoruba part of brazil and i was witnessing all this incredible healing that was taking place with people dancing and singing and being in circle and percussion and food and costumery and storytelling and and i was like wait this is looks kind of like gathering but there's much more to this (laughs) it's much more than meets the eye and of course both these places suffered the uh, ravages of the transatlantic slave trade, and I was very fortunate to be in community in both places, so I got to really peer behind the veil and see what was going on. Why Why was this such a necessity, even though there was so much, even repetition day after day, why would people do the same things? And I, I came away finally understanding they do it because it works. <laughs> they were doing it because it works. It helps all these levels of healing and it brings people into community so back to 2012 I, I decided to write a proposal and um, I didn't know the term teaching artist so I called our artist facilitators <laughs> and I submitted the proposal to an anti-trafficking agency and they said yes come do, do what you'd want to do and Soon after that, I printed a business card that said, Bringing the Arts to Survivors of Human Trafficking. And at the beginning, we were called the Art of Freedom. And I would hand that card out to whoever I could get into, lure into a conversation, and they would walk, they would look at it, and then they'd say, wow, and then they'd walk away. So I was looking, <laughs> I was looking for a long time at this question, and then I was looking specifically online, and then I was looking towards people who I thought might really be open to supporting this project <clears throat> and I discovered how few there were I was really surprised but little by little they came out of the woodwork and I developed a, I guess I can call it a curriculum to train people to to work with survivors to work through what we call a trauma-informed lens and the rest is actually kind of history you know with building a community and building a board of directors and fundraising and and all of that but it it really it didn't exist here in America there were examples abroad i found things in southeast asia and in india and where music and and all kinds of culture cultural um medium were were used uh, specifically with with survivors but nothing in the us and I thought that had to change. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. It is an honor speaking to you. I, uh, I, thinking also about getting into music a, a little bit more, a person 
who plays an instrument, often that instrument is very, very dear to them. You might see a folk singer who has obtained tremendous success playing the same guitar for the same, for 40 years. Uh, right. And you also do instrument repair. I do. <laughs> You've I, done your homework. I do my homework. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel ever, and I know this is kind of, I'm just going to put it out there. Do you ever feel like you're you're healing a sick instrument because <laughs> the relationship between music and healing and the relationship between an artist and their instrument? I would say yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to just give a big old yes to that. Um, one of my friends used to call me the flute doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I never called myself that. But I... Um, I, I think what you're, you pointed out is is kind of uh, not very much, you know, people don't really focus on that very much, but it's a really, really big part of instrumentalist life is their relationship with their, with their instrument. And so I think I learned all the skills working on flutes, which I've done for like 45 years, believe it or not, <laughs> um, that really tuned me into working with people in a very, very sensitive way. So there has to be a really good fit between the, the person's instrument and, and their body, and I have, to, I have to figure that out as the, as the person who's repairing their instrument, and I have to kind of get them back together at the end. <clears throat> and I see it as, in, in this is kind of hard to put in words, but I, I feel that someone who's, who's experienced very, very severe trauma and over a long period of time, they have to kind of get back with themselves in a very, very sensitive way. Yeah, I think I one... Feel, Sorry, Anne, did I interrupt you? No, 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 go on, please. Um, thinking about the tie-in to, uh, to what you do in imagination, that imagination is this instrument and creativity is this instrument that people have, but they've been forced away from it and disconnected from it, and it needs, it needs healing to get back to that instrument. But it is already theirs. It has to be sort of tapped into and reawakened, and but given you know given permission and, and being it has to be welcomed and invited, and then supported. So it's it's a lot of parts of the process. I have some copy that I have to read here uh, for the for the for the station. Uh, after I uh -huh. read that, I'm going to ask you what some of your hardest challenges and greatest successes were. So I'll give you a minute to oh. think about that. You're listening sure. to Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to, to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge 
or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs nothing to you, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Amazon. And I'm going to add this, just this is me talking, this isn't, isn't from the station. If you're an Amazon shopper, use... Use the Amazon Smile because use it for any organization that that uh, that is part of this, because it really doesn't cost you anything, and and it gives money to organizations that 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 are need your money. Okay, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com/slash/Amazon and register RFB as your Amazon Smile charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase benefits Radio Free Brooklyn. Hey, if you'd like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. And lastly, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. So, uh, what have been some of your hardest challenges and greatest successes? Oh, what are my hardest challenges? <laughs> hard I'm just laughing because it's a hard question. It's a really hard question. <laughs> I'm an excellent Rachel. interviewer. <laughs> Rachel, what are my hardest challenges? What have I... What money. 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 Oh, there we go. <laughs> yes. So we, all, all of us on this, and I'm sure everybody listening agrees. I bet there's like hundreds of people shaking, nodding their head yes. That you can't get through a single day without the arts. I mean, could you imagine no creativity in your life, even if it's somebody else's creativity that touches you? And yet, here we are in our tenth year, and we are still we are still hustling. It's being understood as an essential service has been the biggest challenge of all, and I am astonished. <laughs> that this is still still a thing. Do you get most because, of your funding through grants? So I spent a good portion of the last two days writing a grant application. Um, I spend a lot of time doing that. I We have fundraisers. We have donation things that happened online on Facebook and Instagram. And sometimes we'll, we'll be offered a benefit performance by a musician or a group. And so it's a combination of all of those things, and and our board of directors kicks in some, and you know we 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 keep putting it together. But personally, um, if you're wanting to be socially, I mean, <laughs> sorry, um, monetarily secure, I don't recommend doing this. Work. <laughs> I don't recommend doing anything in the arts. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> And um, so, yes, money has been uh, quite the issue. And in terms of the greatest successes, um, watching people grow. I mean, yes. I, I can think of a thousand people, and I can think of one right on this call, <laughs> specifically Rachel. But watching people grow and learn <coughs> what strengths and power their, their message is is all about and on a personal level it's helped me grow as an artist as a musician and as a painter and sculptor yeah i've done a lot of work myself when i was younger specifically 
in areas where I was helping people who were vulnerable, and uh, I, I, it's it, it, it's there's these moments of magic. I don't know how else to explain it. There's these moments of magic that that uh, that really make it so special. I uh, uh, heard you mention earlier about coming up during the civil rights era and things like that. I was born in 1965 in Greenwich Village. So my earliest oh, memories right. at four years old, 1969 Greenwich Village, four-year-old, was was of hippies, was of protests, was of of all kinds of things that a, that a four-year-old couldn't quite understand, but thought was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you 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 tasted the same air as me. Yes, I wanted to, just wanted to let you know I can relate. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm I'm not I'm 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 a generation different than my co-hosts here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's a there's a responsibility that we carry. Those of us who, even as little children, we we understood things, and you know, this your co-hosts, my friends, are um, are fighting the good fight. And, they get it. You know, I feel like so many people my age have forgotten this, and they don't get it. That's exactly why we have to step even wider to 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 support to support the generations that followed us, because they haven't had the the examples of when it worked. Because there's so much that's definitely not working anymore, and they're trying to rob rob us blind. And unfortunately, they're succeeding. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately they'll fail. But we are going through the, you know, we are on the rocks with this. And I, you know, it's literally tears fall out of my eyes every single day with what's going on in the world. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the Occupy movement because I didn't feel that they were really doing anything other than beating drums and eating pizza. Uh, and please argue with me with this if you disagree. But something like the civil rights movement, you know, you, what is civil rights? So you break it down for me. Okay, I'll break it down for you. I want to be able to sit in the same cafe as you. I want to have, I want to have my children have the same education as you. We, we, we need our rights to be equal. I want to be able to not sit on the back of the bus. They broke it down. They broke the war down into small battles, so it would be something that th- people could get. We could have wins. We could also have loses. But there was a point to what was being done, and I didn't see that again in a protest movement until the Black Lives Matter movement came along, and I had mm-hmm. faith again in in peaceful protest. I don't know if you have similar feelings. Well, I, I did at the time, and I've studied this question a lot through uh, hearing many scholars and, and activists speak about the Occupy movement. And the one thing that it really did, which was very important, was it introduced leaderless movements because there were all the leaders kept getting assassinated with the civil rights era, as we know. And leaderless movements have a real place in our history, in our progress, I should say, moving forward, because it, it, it puts more weight on all of the participants. And even, I've, I've listened, I mean, specifically Diane Nash, who was, worked very closely with Martin Luther King, she said the problem with, our, with the civil rights movement is the fact that there are leaders. Uh, I was, my jaw fell open when I heard that mm. interview. I was like, wow. 
also Black Lives Matter actually kind of took took that with a level of, of momentum, I think, from from the Occupy movement and said, "Yeah, we're all we're all doing this." Yeah, I so, think the Occupy movement, in a way, was kind of necessary as a building block. It's not. Mm-hmm. It didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish, like in and of itself. But I think it probably was a building block. Yes, and what I've I've lived long enough to see how incredibly slowly things move forward. <laughs> With deep frustration, I have to remind myself of that. And it did interrupt a lot. Like it was, I remember being downtown during that time. Like if nothing else, it was disruptive. And it and it spread around the world. It didn't it didn't stay only in the U.S. There were, and and it questioned the whole issue of the, I guess the law sworn in before the Supreme Court that corporations are considered human. <laughs> you know they're considered they have the rights of humans. So you know I, I you know, agree. Ex- Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I, it just exposed the level of of insanity and inhumanity that we were otherwise complacent. I agree that economic iniquity is one of the greatest tragedies since the dawn of trade. But I, and I am still, I am starting to see how Occupy may have been good for protest movements in general. But I, I am mm-hmm. lacking in vision and seeing anything specifically accomplished from the movement, but I'm getting you. I'm getting you that it could be a building block. And I also was uh, under the understanding that we're not going to grab more than 40 minutes of your time, so I'm going to get to my final question here. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How can survivors get help from your organization, and what can others do to support Crossing Points Arts? Well, thank you. Um... Trafficking survivors come. Um, we we connect with them, by and large, through um, relationships with anti-trafficking agencies all over New York City and in Newark and Atlantic City and Westchester County. And so, um, we we specifically are, right now are working with Covenant House, New Jersey. Um, Lifeway Network, which is in the, um, the Bronx and Queens, and the organization called Womankind, which is, um, well, they have numerous, numerous uh, locations, but they largely um, work with Asian women. Um, so any, um, any survivors who are connected with the agencies that we're, we're active with can get a hold of us that way through through the um, through their parent organization that they're they're connected with and also our website is crossingpointarts.org i am always looking for interns volunteers um on occasion i have room to take on more teaching artists um not at this very moment but um we also mentor survivors, and so those those opportunities are really important. And um, we welcome people who want to offer business seminars to survivors, because the more exposure that we can offer, the more the wheels turn and things happen. 
So, um, crossingpointarts.org. <laughs> that is us, and I'm Anne, and you can reach me directly, and you will hear, hear back from me directly. And there's a big fat donate button. <laughs> you can find it on every page of our website. And um, that's how we survive, you know, largely by donations. And so, first of all, I want to really, really thank you for, for giving me the time to explore these questions and, and respond as, you know, openly as I feel free to here. And, and thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you all. And I am so grateful to have had this time to speak with you. Well, we're, we're I, th- I can I, I can say for myself, we're equally. Yeah, we feel really lucky to have you on. Super, honored, super honored, and excited. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, before um, we say goodnight, is there anything that you would like to add? Anything? I, I tried to be pretty, pretty in depth here, but if I missed something that was important, please let me know. You did not miss anything. Um, I'm going to just say something and. Something that I touched on when speaking with Rachel earlier today is this is not a, a fresh, new, brilliant idea of mine. This is the oldest idea in the book. It's and ancient. It's ancient. Super as ancient. As, people, as long as there has been um, the issue of people exploiting one another, which is apparently, according to most historians, began in the agrarian age, there were people who had to deal with the fact of being terribly wounded by other humans and creativity was was like the primary medicine for millennia millennium or however you say that word and so we are we are just reenacting a, a really really human behavior and updating it to fit squeeze it into the nonprofit structure but we're we're you know we're this is as old as folks Yeah, uh, Stephen Colbert has this Colbert questionnaire, and one of the questions on it is, "What is the scariest animal?" And I don't know why any, but why nobody has said human. There you go. That is. You need to go on the Colbert. (laughs) (laughs) Straighten them out. (laughs) I, I I couldn't agree more. On my bad days, I call humans the bad animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me, so, give me, give me cats. <laughs> I love cats. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're gonna just keep forging ahead and you know finding the good because it's there and creating the good and you know my belief is it's all somehow worked out. Well, thanks again so much, and you have a wonderful evening. Thank you, you so as much, well. Anne. Thank you for this. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you all. And I'm really, really happy to have joined you. Thank great. you, Anne. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, all right. Carry on your great work, you all. All right. <laughs> Thank you. you too. Good night. All right. Thanks. Good night. That went well. That went great. It was so exciting. Yeah. I love Bridging Worlds. Well, thanks again for, for making the introduction. Yeah, Bridging Worlds is the best. <laughs> so, uh, don't want to forget to do this. this Friday, this Friday, and we just rehearsed, 
we are performing at three the, of us. All of three us. of us. All three of us. We're I'm doing me and Rachel are doing poetry, and Lucas is doing interpretive dance. I'm we're practicing this, my one part. We're doing this live at the uh, theater for the new city. Uh, for the Theater of New City Festival of the Arts. It's a three-day festival. It's free, but, you know, if you got something to donate, please don't hesitate to give them some money. And we are going to be performing right around 8.30 p.m. in the Majestic Johnson Theater. Yeah, it's um, it's an honor to, to work at Theater for the New City. It's, Absolutely. Um, you know, definitely one of those things, bucket list things. You know. Oh, it's so great! It's a beautiful theater. It's the it's the it's it's if you're like Friday or Saturday night between like eight and eleven in the Johnson Theater, they respect you. If they give you those spots, they respect yeah, you. And <laughs> yeah, and I hope you can come. I'm really excited. Yeah, I hope you can come in too. I was thinking that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to work with you both. It, it's going to be really incredible. Yeah, last year was was so much fun. If you're in Cold Spring, get empanadas. <laughs> I heard they were amazing. <laughs> they were so good. Um, the, the, it's this Argentinian family um, that owns the restaurant, um, and it's actually like not even a restaurant. It's like more of like an they have like outdoor seating, but they you don't have to pay table service or anything like that. Um, I mean, you should still tip them but you don't have yeah there's a tip jar and of course we tipped yeah but twice but um because <laughs> we went back again the second we went time. back again for the <laughs> like, we, we like waited within, within 20 minutes we we had these the, we had the beef empanadas and they're like we also have spinach empanadas but they won't be ready for a half an hour so i don't know what that so we waited was, like half an hour yeah. and we, were, <laughs> we were like okay simon and then and then he was like oh no it's gonna be another half an hour and we waited we waited another half an hour too um, cause we were just like, we need those and they were, we got them right out of the oven. Um, yeah. So good. It's on main street. It's the only, it's the only place that makes, empanadas. and their daughter is beautiful and their daughter is beautiful. <laughs> and they're very passionate. Yeah. I mean, they, she, she was beautiful. I was like, yeah. I mean, we were talking about empanadas in, in Brooklyn. It's like this very thick they dough. Suck. Now I'm like, well, you, you ruined. thought the Bushwick empanadas were really good. I used to you like used the to Bushwick Emanatas. And you came back and you were like, Bushwick? No. I fucking hate Bushwick Emanatas now. I can't eat them anymore. I'm done. I like saw them the other day and I was like, <laughs> we did we did have tacos though in Bushwick. We had some real good oh, tacos. The, the, the Bushwick tacos are very good. We had excellent tacos in Bushwick. Santa, Santa Ana. Um, it's like this little local, like um, also family owned. They were lovely to us. They're really, really lovely. And they yeah. have like their kids there and stuff. It's like very sweet. Um and um they're always just so sweet there, Santa Anna. But it booby trap was mean to me. And I but I'm still gonna go back because they were crayons. Booby trap was mean to you? I yeah, love booby trap. They were mean to me. I was like waiting there to For put, people who don't know, this is a bar. In it's a bar in Bushwick. They have coloring books with like naked girls and you color in the naked We always girls. color the boobies. Um, and so we, you know, I went and this this woman, this bartender was like really rude to me. And like, um, she was dressed like a cheerleader. It's like, I was like, I am the head cheerleader, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're not, you're not kidding. <laughs> 
I was like, why is this cheerleader being mean to me? She wasn't even a real cheerleader, though. I could tell. But you usually, usually Booby Trap has been really hospitable to us. Yeah, they were not last night. Um, I needed to go because I somebody was refusing to leave my apartment. Well, what do we at this <laughs> show do when that stuff happens? When somebody refuses to leave your apartment? Yes. <laughs>
Oh, yeah. Kind of needed time? that. What's that? We have time for another song? I, I want to I play the Zany song. Yes, that's what I was hoping. Okay, wait, where's my phone? Do you want to use mine? You, you, you probably can't hear, but we're talking about playing another song. And, uh, and yeah, why not? All right. If you don't find it, I'll just sing it. I'm just kidding. What's the name of it? What's the name of it? Um, and uh, you were talking about some of the art that you've been doing. I've noticed that you've been... You've been drawing very realistic female bodies recently. Oh, yes. Um, both Rachel and I have been doing that. What, realistic is what he's using to describe body bodies. But they are, honestly, more realistic. More they realistic. are more realistic. Yeah. More people yeah. in America, um, especially, the, yeah, they, have the body type that you have been painting than than most people want to say, than, than, than folks want to say. And, 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 you know... And it's great that, that that that's something that you're doing right now. Oh, wherever, wherever you, would you would call me. Okay, I'm I'm good. I got it. Yeah, hey, no, I, is... I think it, the people at my program were really like in love with my, with the art, and I think it it just reminded them of their bodies. Um, and good. We're not going to have time for the whole song. But okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll what, what we'll, I wanted to uh, say we'll, about we'll this song with it. was it's, it's a spiritual song, and these people who originally made it, they're anti um, LGBT, but Zany is not. So this is an appropriate way to watch it. Yeah, this song has gotten me through so many difficult moments. God, there are songs like that. We were just talking about this when someone else sings about God and you feel that. Sent it. Sent it. I was about to sing it. You guys are going to have to hear my version. Youth Lagoon goes to me? No, Zini. I just sent it. Wherever you would call me. I sent it last week. Wherever you would call me. It's the one right before you. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. tuning in show yourself some love show some love to others it's important and you know that it is we'll be back here next week with another live show thank you lucas thank you rachel thank you all good night